This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. It's the Global Thought Leader Insights. Brilliant thinking implemented. Brought to you by Internal Consulting Group. I'm Mark S.A. Smith. As a leader of your company, you must stay on top of your industry or risk obsolescence. This can be a daunting task. Get ready to solve your biggest challenges and learn how to capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external advisors to fill knowledge and experience gaps, to help them make a case for change, or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. Internal Consulting Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leaders from around the globe and makes them available to you. Get access to insights, advice, and the tools you need to succeed. Learn more at internalconsulting.com. Our guest today is Ken Tenser, who is the CEO of SpiderWorks, who works with organizations to bring innovation to market. As he points out, he helps people get ideas off the back of the napkin and into the market. He has written The 90% Rule and Cause a Disturbance, and is right now writing his newest book, Never Be Satisfied. Welcome, Ken Tenser. Hey, thanks for having me today, Mark. You are welcome. You are also a thought leader for the ICG Consulting Group. You run an organization in four different cities, Chicago, Toronto, New York, and Halifax. What is the secret to making sure that companies can bring innovation to market and not get disrupted? The secret is not forgetting that we have the ideas. Most of us have great ideas, but I think we're better at hiding those ideas and I think everybody listening will probably understand when I say that you write them on the back of a napkin, that you put them on a sticky note, you slide them to the side of your desk, you refocus on your front burner issues. By the time you get back to them, those pieces of paper are crumpled up, they're old, they're dusty. And it's too bad because when you read the idea, you go, wow, that really could have helped push my business forward. So what I try and do is just get businesses to Take the simple steps to take those ideas. Don't even hide them on your computer. I use a a whiteboard. It's just four by six feet on wheels. I have the different uh, strategic verticals that I want to go after in my business. 
I make sure that any idea we have gets put up on that board. And then quarterly, sometimes monthly, we roll that board into our executive meetings and we take a look at what we've done and where we are and how we've executed on them. Because those ideas that we have, they help generate revenue. They help us cut costs. And above all, they help to better engage our customers. So why would we want to forget about those? So you've dropped a whole bunch of truth bombs right there in that opening statement. And I want my listener here to really get them. Number one, stop hiding your great ideas. Number two, make them front and center as part of your strategic conversations with the rest of your team on a regular basis. Really great ideas. The challenge that we face in most corporations is new ideas are toxic. They're dangerous to a person's growth path to their career, because if they fail, they're seen as having bad judgment. How do we change the culture of companies to recognize that failure is part of the innovation process? And if you don't fail, you will fail in the marketplace. I hate the word fail. I don't like to fail, and I believe I never fail. And that's because I've redefined the notion of failure. It's baseball season. Somebody hits the ball three times out of 10, to 300 average, you're going to Cooperstown if they do that the whole career. Right on. So do they fail because they miss it seven out of 10 times? No. They're not only succeeding, they're going to be one of the best ever. So what I say to companies is stop talking about failure and define what success is. Is it one out of 10 that's really breakthrough? Is it two out of 10 that move the needle a bit? Is it a couple that maybe break even or very simple? As soon as you get the word fail out of your vocabulary and learn that succeeding three out of 10 times will make you into a tremendous organization, just like it makes you a Hall of Fame baseball player, it's a mindset shift and that fear goes away. That mindset shift must be driven from the top of the organization. Without that cultural adjustment, people are going to be afraid that something that doesn't work out will be labeled as a failure. Absolutely. And one of the biggest problems with innovation or entrepreneurship is this whole notion of, I call it island leadership. Some people talk about the shift from top down to bottom up, but I think it's more profound than that. Over the last 20, 30, 40 years before technology, AI, et cetera, et cetera, you didn't need that many ideas to move an organization forward. You could run an idea for what, three, five, 10 years so a couple of people at the top of the organization could push things forward. Today, it just doesn't work. The shifts that I've gone through, and one of the shifts that leaders need to, which is driving my next book, Never Be Satisfied, is the understanding that we can't do it alone anymore. It doesn't matter if you're the brightest person to ever live. You just cannot create enough ideas in this new digital-driven world to keep your business at the forefront. So open up to other people, create the processes, know that you can no longer be an island to succeed. Right on. We've become a global society. What people want to consume is very much driven by their culture, their identity, their group that they're in, whether the millennials or baby boomers or Gen X or the next Z generation coming online. Each one of them has a different view of what's valuable and the life they want to live. If we get stuck in one vision, if we're just boomer-driven, as 90% of corporations are today, we're going to miss the money. We are. And, you know, you bring up the millennials, and I'm 
definitely of that boomer generation. I say to other boomers, there's one generation that we can learn so much from, and those are the millennials. And I'll explain that. Millennials were brought up in the age of conversation, in the age of communication. Because of technology, they're able to talk about any idea at any time with anybody anywhere in the world that they want. We might joke that they're not great face-to-face communicators, but that's irrelevant. They are communicators. Whether you do it face-to-face or through technology, you are having a two-way conversation. And the truth is, as boomers, we weren't taught that. I remember getting out of grad school and one of my profs was saying, keep your head down, put one foot in front of the other, shut your mouth and you're going to do just fine. That was good advice 20 years ago. It was good advice, not highly motivating. As, as an entrepreneur, I can't say I fully followed those directions, but the truth is... And hence, you're running your own company, <laughs> as are most people listening. Y- yes. But the truth is, today, you don't put your head down. You need to engage with one another. You need to be looking forward. More eyes are better than one. It's just the future of business. Inclusivity is the future of business. And when I say inclusivity, I mean including the great minds that surround you in your business. That's right. And those minds come in all sizes, shapes, and ages. Keep in mind, friends, that boomers will be out of power in the next decade. And they're rapidly being replaced by millennials. If you don't get it, your company will not survive, pure and simple. Absolutely. It won't survive. And the other thing I say to that point is you can't delegate inclusivity. There are so many times that I walk into an organization, and whether it's innovation or entrepreneurship, I'm all for pilots. You don't want to take something and run it through an organization, especially a multinational on day one. You'll walk into these rooms and the pilots... You look around and the leader sponsor is not in the room. And I say, you know, where's the leader? And not necessarily the CEO, but the C-suite person or senior executive. And they say, oh, no, they, they just told us to come into the room and go about it on our own. How demotivating is that? It's just like it's really not that important. I'm giving it lip service. I'm putting you in a room, but I'm really finding a different way to ignore you completely. You have to be part of the process. If you want to be an inclusive leader, you have to be included in the process and be included in the working groups to show that you really mean that this is important. And when you talk about inclusive, you're talking about the entire employee stack from the bottom to the top. Is that your definition of inclusive here? Yes. Inclusive means every mind in the company. You can go further than that. We take a look at the whole ecosystem. And I know in my companies, our great vendor partners are bringing me ideas from around the world. What it comes down to is not just articulating your vision, your mission, your challenges, your struggles, the questions that you're struggling with and sharing them internally. Share them with your vendor partners. Talk to your customers about how your challenges align with theirs. The more people that you're open and frank about, the more great ideas will come back to you. Just think about it like a boomerang. If you are letting that boomerang fly out into the world with your ideas and your directions and people understand what is important to you, that boomerang comes back with very focused ideas because they know the framework that you are trying to solve or work within. 
right on. I think a lot of boomers still hold on to this concept of, I'm afraid to share my idea because somebody's going to steal it and make money from it. Yeah, they just might, but probably not. The reality is that we are in a very tightly focused world today where we have people that are true experts at their products, at their technologies, at their insights, and they look to partner well with others. Really, the secret today is who plays well with others. Those are the people that our customers want to do business with. And so let's open up our conversations and figure out where we can best play. We were using sports a little earlier. In every sports team, there are specialists. There's no one player plays at all. No, no, not at all. And as an entrepreneur building small or mid-sized companies at different points in my life, I've depended on those partners, on the customers, on my team to bring me ideas, to open up my eyes. Today, collaborating with companies that 20 years ago, I would have called my competitors. And frankly, I guess on paper, they still are. But together, think of it as a Venn diagram. There's a little bit of an overlap where we bring our best to market. They bring their best to the table. Together, we can create great go-to-market strategies on specific opportunities. Great ideas. And that's what's required today to make it work. The most popular and most profitable companies are platforms, which allow us to interact with multiple players in unique ways that bring unique value to a moving target market. So that gives us the platform, again, for creating new ideas, for that evolution, for that partnering in a whole new way. We'll be back with more after this. The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Download and share the Internal Consulting Group's monthly executive magazine, The Insights Review. Every issue includes thought leadership and ideas that you can leverage to solve issues and harvest opportunities facing you. Get your complimentary copy from internalconsulting.com slash publications. How do you see organizations needing to shift their business to incorporate these platform models? I look at my own business and I look at, we're here talking about ICG today, and they have created a collaborative platform for ourselves, like for myself and for the customer groups. It just didn't exist. And I know for myself, I'm able to tap into cultural insights, country-specific insights, vertical-specific insights that help me deliver better quality. And I know that for people engaging ICG, it's the exact same thing. They are enabling us to bring together better solutions. And just like I've incorporated or partnered with them, as so many people have around the world, I think every business today needs to find that like-minded platform, that like-minded technology that allows them to bring more ideas together more quickly. Because that identifying, filtering, and implementing, that's what pushes your business forward. So the more you can connect, the more you can collaborate, the more open you are, the more successful I ultimately believe you can be. What are some of the barriers that you've seen that prevents companies from being successful by keeping on the innovative edge? What are the barriers to that? Well, the first we've already talked about, it's island leadership. We talk about leadership quite a bit because everything starts at the top. Tone at the top 
inclusivity starts at the top, how you want your company to go and be and be seen and how you're going to work. So the truth is you can do everything else right. But if you as a leader have not begun the process of changing yourself, of adapting and modifying your behaviors, if you're a boomer to today's reality, it's going to be very hard to succeed. Some other things that I see, though, very commonly is the fact that product extension isn't business extension. And let me explain that. We talk about entrepreneurship as being a key part of innovation and engaging other people. Well, the reality is, is that what we're most often taught to do is take a brown chair and make it blue Mm -hmm. or make it black or add arms or add a lumbar support. Today, we're going further than that. And we may be moving into different industries with our ideas from chairs to full-fledged seating to ergonomic home systems. And I think it's really important to understand that as you push the boundaries of your business, the current team may not have all of the capabilities that you need. You really have to think about two things there. One is brand elasticity, meaning what will the customer accept from your company? What will they believe that you can bring to them? And team elasticity. Do you have the right people to bring this new idea to market if it's actually creating a more of an adjacent type of business? That's the second most biggest challenge that I've seen over the last decade. One more that I'll mention is the whole notion that innovation and culture are actually two words. And I say that because people say, they talk about, I want an innovation culture. When you get down to the root of that, and you look at these words separately, innovation is traditionally what? It's a very flat staged process. You go from gate one, two, three, four, five. Today, if you're really avant-garde, you've added gate zero, which to me is a design thinking part where you get to be creative. But You get to be creative for what, 20 minutes? Somebody flips an egg timer and then it stops and you move on. Culture is very amorphous. It's about values, it's about beliefs, it's about leadership and what you're empowered to do. And it's really step up. So what you need to do is take these two ideas apart and then reassemble them as one. What I say to people is as you're moving through the gates of innovation, step up your culture so that you have, at the beginning, recognition of what people are doing. And recognition can simply be a plaque for coming up with an idea, a silver dollar for having a trademark or a patent, just something to say to recognize, thanks for stepping up at gate zero, one or two. Mm -hmm. As you move down that innovation process and you get to gates three and four, get to an award system so that you are in front of the company saying, these guys have done something really special, really different. They're moving the needle forward. And then as you get to say gates five and six, I talk about rewards, which is you have to bake innovation into the compensation program. And that's really a tough thing to do. But so many companies I walk into, people will say to me, you know, When I get really busy, I push the extra work to the side. And the extra work is the innovation work. It's the new idea work. And I don't blame them. If I weren't being compensated, if I weren't being judged, 
if at the end of the year during my review, I weren't being asked by my boss or my supervisor, what have you done in this area? Why wouldn't I push it aside? To sum it up again, innovation and culture are two distinct things that you have to build and put together. I call it like a staircase to success. The further down the stage gates you go, the more engaged, the more empowered, and the more recognized people have to be within the organization. I like it. Another way of looking at this is you have to build within your scorekeeping system innovation. Traditional scorekeeping did not reward innovation. It rewarded stability. It rewarded efficiency. And the reality is innovation is always messy. It's always disruptive. And it's always inefficient until we figure it out. So the scorekeeping has to change. And of course, that scorekeeping starts at the top. I like that a lot. A traditional approach to business in the past was stick to your knitting. How does that play into a world where continuous innovation is required if you're going to survive? You had mentioned the 90% rule off the top. My first book, it's a philosophy. It's not a formula. And basically what you say to yourself is, or your team, write down all the things you believe that you're good or great at. Bundle that up and call it the 90%. That's the core of your business. And and you've always got to protect the core of your business. When you're comfortable that you properly define that, push it aside and step back and say to yourselves, you know what, no matter how good or great we are at our core business, There's always something we can do differently or something we can do better to engage our customers. And we've talked about mindset a number of times. It's how you approach it. You protect your core. You force yourself, not just leave yourself the ability to be thinking about the next 10%. And what I like about that is that innovation can be simple and it can be disruptive. We are not pushing ourselves to hit a home run every time we get up to the plate. A small, simple change can have a profound impact on your business. So start with the 10%. Start with the 1% if you've never done it. Just make the smallest, simplest change within your business and celebrate that success. And it becomes like a steamroller. It becomes like, a, you know, that snowball running downhill. And that's what we want to create within an organization. So again, protect your core but empower yourself, allow yourself the latitude to think about even the simplest next steps for growth. So that really puts a context around your concept of team elasticity. Teams, the 90, elasticity is the 10%. Absolutely. And the really great thing is once people understand that, you're going to see complacency shift out of your business because you're going to be seeing people come up with new and different ideas continuously. And the great thing is it's going to expose you to some team players that you might have not understood the full breadth or depth of their ability. And what I love about the process is that I've worked with companies where they've had university summer students who think better than I'll ever think of my life. They might not have the years to know how to execute it, but by empowering people, by allowing them the elasticity of thought It brings elasticity of team and breadth and skill building and learning. It's a really wonderful thing to watch and see when people inside organizations are discovered and they grow with you. 
I think that's a really good analysis of millennials. They are willing to think in whole new ways because of the way they were raised. Because everybody got participation awards, they think it's okay to throw the craziest and most unthought out ideas out there, yet they always have this germ of a potential. As boomers, we have to stop judging the millennials as being dumb and realizing that they view the world a different way. They process the world a different way, and they've been given permission to say things that are what we consider to be crazy. We have to pay attention. We have to use those as the spark of genius for the next wave of where the money will be. Absolutely. I mean, leveraging their brains, their outlook on the world, their ability to communicate in ways that we just never had. Right. We wouldn't have the opportunity to do is critical. What I add to that, though, is the great companies teach people after you put those crazy ideas on the wall, how do you ground them? And for me, there's a number of criteria. One is, are they in keeping with my global criteria, vision, mission, goals and objectives for the company? Are they focused on a very clear target market or customer persona? And three, are they going to be profitable? What are they going to do in terms of ROI for the company? And I think it's really important because when I work with groups, we let that free flow of thinking begin the process. But by the end of it, they're able to say, I like idea A. It's attached to this global vision that we've created. It's focused on customer group three, and it's going to take this to bring it to market. But the ROI is expected to be eight or 10 or 12 percent. I don't stifle creativity. I don't stifle freedom of thought. I just teach them how to filter that wall of hundreds into the top three or five or 10, according to what we believe is right for our organization. And that's really important because now when people are coming forward to the C-suite or their bosses, they are articulating ideas or opportunities in ways that are relevant to the organization, in ways that are relevant to things that we as leaders need to achieve. So we don't have to put the pieces of the puzzle fully together. They've done that for us. And it hastens their learning and our road to market, our speed to market. Indeed. So listener, you may want to rewind and listen to that last three minutes because what Ken just laid out for you was the roadmap for taking crazy ideas and turning them into crazy profits. Really, really good. I'd like to add one more idea to that. The fourth idea that I suggest is culture. How does it fit into the culture of the organization? The reason why I say that is because today, millennials choose culture over career. When you can help them identify how do we make this fit into who we are, what we stand for, what we don't stand for, they're going to use that filter every time. Yep, thanks. And when you mention culture, it's also another reason why entrepreneurship is so important today. And just to put it into context, entrepreneurship lies within the innovation toolkit. There's your traditional stage gate, there's open source, there's innovation through acquisition, and there's entrepreneurship. What sets entrepreneurship apart is it's about continuous ideation, but by engaging more people. So it creates a culture of an empowerment and openness that will help you to attract, engage, and retain the best people for your organization. 
It's not just about moving your business forward on an idea basis. It's about moving it forward on a cultural journey of empowerment and inclusivity. The truth is, as the workforce ages and we want to attract the best people, we need the culture that will say to them, bring your ideas. We're open to them. We're open to working with you and we're open to advancing your career and your thought process within the culture that we've built. I think that's a really important point. The people that have the ideas that will accelerate your company have high cognitive capacity and they cannot be stifled or they will go somewhere else. Encouraging the engagement and the conversation, make sure that you keep your brain power that is critical to entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. The truth is we have a couple of sets of customers today. We have the people who are ultimately writing checks or using debit cards to buy from us, but we have the people that we want to join our organizations. And it's more and more important to understand what's important to them, how to engage them, and how to leverage, as we've talked about, their brain power, their cognitive abilities. If we can marry those things together, we truly have a recipe for continued success versus stagnation. Excellent way to summarize this entire conversation. Ken, what a great bunch of ideas. I think this is a show that uh, our listeners are going to go back and listen to over and over again. There's lots and lots of truth bombs that really cut loose this concept of entrepreneurship for innovation. What's the best way for our listener to reach out to you? What do you want them to do next? The best way to reach out to me is email, ktenser at spider.works. All right, K-T-E-N-C-E-R, spider, S-P-Y-D-E-R dot W-O-R-K-S. And of course, people can find you through ICG. That's right. And we look forward to speaking to them through there. Great. Check out Ken's books, The 90% Rule, Cause a Disturbance, and look for in the future, never be satisfied. Final thoughts for our listener as we end the show. Go right back to the beginning. Don't let those ideas stay on the back of a sticky note. Get them up on the wall. Get them in front of your team. Get a plan. Act on them. Get them to market because they're going to generate revenue, lower costs, and uh, engage your customers. And those are three things that you do not want to miss out on. That wraps up this episode. Go to internalconsulting.com slash global hyphen thought hyphen leaders to contact today's guest. If you like the show, share it with your executive team and review us on iTunes. This is Global Thought Leader Insights. Brilliant thinking implemented. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.